The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Are those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. And she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. In our gospel lesson, we join Jesus and his followers once more on the wilderness pilgrimage as they journey from the season of ministry in Galilee to the culmination of the earthly ministry of Jesus that awaits in Jerusalem. And we have three scenes in our reading, Jesus answering the crowds, Jesus teaching with a parable, and Jesus healing in the synagogue. As we explore this passage, our first question should be, how closely are these scenes related? How much should we use one to interpret the other? But if we step back just a bit, we find that these passages are indeed closely related. Immediately prior to this, we find Jesus speaking to the crowds, telling them that they know how to look at the skies and, and know the weather. Shouldn't they know how to look at the signs of the times and know that the kingdom of God is being manifest among them? And immediately following this, Jesus uses the parables of the mustard seed and the leaven to describe the character of the kingdom of heaven. So we have our three scenes today as the center point of Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of heaven. 
We begin with the crowd asking about current events. Jesus just said, you can look at the skies and know the weather, but look at the times around you. And they ask about the times. How should we read these events and interpret the present time? How should we see divine justice? Some Galileans had gone to Jerusalem and been slaughtered by Pilate as they made sacrifices at the temple. Are these Galileans traveling with Jesus to Jerusalem asking out of concern for their own safety? Will we be killed as well? Perhaps they're asking with a false confidence. Those people must not have been pure enough for God. Or God would have protected them. But we are different. Jesus answers, knowing our propensities for misunderstanding. He says, do you think this suffering is due to the individual sins of those who suffer? Jesus knows our propensity to look for some karmic formula where good equals good and bad equals bad. Jesus knows our propensity to blame bad things on bad actions. Jesus knows our propensity for self-reference and individuality. Jesus knows our propensity to seek to be our own God and to be in control. And so he answers. Do you think these were worse sinners? Do you think this is judgment? Do you think that Pilate is a tool of God? What about those who were in the tower at Siloam when it collapsed? Was this an accident or an act of God? Jesus offers no more teaching than the call to repent. The call to metanoia, the call to know things differently, to know the ways of fallen creation and the ways of the kingdom of God in a new way. Jesus then offers a parable as an invitation to know differently. See, parables have a beautiful way of holding up a mirror for us to see our own propensities in the invitation to something new. Perhaps we read this parable. We begin to think of the vineyard owner as God and the vine dresser as Jesus. The vengeful God seeking to destroy and the loving son begging for mercy. But even in saying it this way, we can recognize our own error in interpretation. Perhaps even our own error in our image of God. For the unity of the triune God would forbid this type of interpretation. The Son cannot be opposed to the Father and the Father against the Son. So instead, we must look again, primed as we are by the previous questions about divine justice and the kingdom of God. We might hold this up, this parable up as a mirror, see our own propensity to seek retribution rather than restoration. Our desire to cut down and discard rather than engage in the difficult and dirty work of reconciliation and restoration. We might see our own propensity to say, in essence, what I am doing is not working, so it must be someone else's fault. At our best, we might see and hear the invitation to know differently, the invitation to repent. 
And if we look ahead a little bit, we might see this image of the vineyard as an image of Israel, the people of God, given into the stewardship of religious leaders, given into the stewardship of the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders of synagogues, even the parents instructed to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. This precious charge to tend and cultivate, to bear the fruit of righteousness. And yet when the tree has no fruit, is it the steward or the tree that must change? Does the tree need to be removed or does the care of the tree need our attention? Let's hold this loosely. As we enter the synagogue with Jesus on that Sabbath day, Luke tells us that Jesus was teaching, and yet he records none of the words that Jesus uses. Wouldn't it be fascinating to sit and hear Jesus teach, to hear Jesus expound upon the scriptures, for the word made flesh to open to us the word in scripture? And as fascinating as that might be, the lesson is not in the theological wrangling, but in the active and present work of God. As Jesus is teaching, he notices. He notices and he calls forward a woman crippled for 18 years. The 18 years of her illness linking this scene to the scene on the road as Jesus brings up the 18 who are killed in the collapse of the tower. See, we're continuing the conversation about justice. We might hear this echo. Is this woman a worse sinner because she is crippled? And yet, Jesus did not initially address the cause of her affliction He simply offers healing. He calls her to himself. He proclaims that she is set free. He lays his hands upon her. And she stands upright and praises God. Jesus responds to the indignation of the leader of the synagogue by reordering the concept of justice. He invites us to a new way of knowing He reveals that the affliction of this woman is not the punishment for sin. Her affliction is not the work of an angry and retributive God. Instead, she is one of the beloved, a daughter of Abraham, taken captive and held in bondage by Satan. The justice of the kingdom is not punitive. It is not found in cutting off and discarding those who are afflicted. The justice of the kingdom is restorative, bringing healing and freedom to those held captive by sin and death. Jesus reveals that we're not part of some karmic cycle paying the price of our poor choices. We're not the center of our own individual, isolated circle of cause and effect which we can control. Instead, We're engaged in the cosmic battle, the ancient rebellion, the war that finds its decisive victory in the death and resurrection of Jesus, who is the Christ. Now, 21 centuries later, 
we still resist. Like the leader of the synagogue, we're much more comfortable safely talking about God rather than encountering the presence and power of God and his invitation to participate in the inbreaking kingdom. We resist the invitation to know differently. I invite you to hear now some of the invitations of this season. I invite you to hear not my observations, but the way that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. I invite you to hear and to notice the ways that you resist and the ways that you yield to the call of the Holy Spirit to see and to know differently. We heard at the beginning of Lent the call to restoration rather than retribution as the season was described as the time in which those who had been alienated from the people of God were restored to the fellowship of the church. I hear in this the invitation to notice those who are absent, those who are alienated, to reach out, to listen, to pray. I wonder how the Holy Spirit is inviting us to participate in the work of reconciliation. Yesterday, the primate of the Church of Nigeria spoke at the mission conference of the Church of Nigeria North American Mission. In teaching from the Great Commission, he challenged the missionary churches in North America to not be content to be a place of gathering. Instead, he invited us to be a place of transformation, a place that makes disciples, a place where we intentionally present ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit and are formed and conformed into the image and likeness of Christ. He challenged us to be a people who do not just talk about God in the safety of our parishes, but also a people who walk in the power and presence of God, participating in his kingdom mission, stepping outside of our comfort zones to seek those around us who need the healing power of Christ. I wonder, how is the Holy Spirit inviting us to participate in the work of the kingdom. Today, we hear from Jesus the invitation to healing and freedom. Unfortunately, we also hear ourselves in the leader of the synagogue. There are six other days in the week so that we can try to fix ourselves. We also hear voices from our past telling us not to bring our hurts and fears and doubts to church. Put on your Sunday best. No one needs to hear about your baggage. Come, put on your little Christian face so that no one knows how you're hurt inside. We may hear the lies that tell us that our wounds are our own faults and responsibility. My friends, I invite you to know differently. I invite you to present, to present yourselves before God in prayer as we pray for our redemption and as we pray for the redemption of the world. And I invite you to come to this table expecting to encounter the power and presence of the Lord. And as Father Ed and Deacon Dan serve communion, I invite you to join me at the back of the church 
to pray for healing and for freedom for yourself and for others. The Holy Spirit indeed invites us on this day and on every day to participate in the work of the kingdom, to open ourselves to know differently, to live fully as beloved children of the living God. May we have eyes to see, may we have ears to hear, and may we have hearts that are turned to God that we may be healed. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.